2022 ACB Virtual DC Leadership Meetings will be held Saturday, March 12th through Tuesday, March 15th. Registration is $20 for ACB members and $30 for non-members. ACB members were sent a discount code via email. If you are an ACB member and did not receive the discount code, please call the Minneapolis office at 612-332-3242. Registration closes March 9th. Visit acb.org for more information or register at https slash slash tinyurl.com slash 2022-DC-Leadership-Meetings. The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service, nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome in, take my hand, say hello to who you know and who you don't and who you can. We'll give promise to your springtime and beginnings to your ends. We'll try not to be cautious, we'll be friends. Welcome in everyone to Visibilities on February, what are we, 14, 13, 12, 11th, February 11th, on a mixed weather around the country, obviously, from the conversation we were just talking, everyone was checking in with their temperatures, and it's, I think Larry said it was 82 where he is, and 10 where Zelda is, and we, the rest of us all sit somewhere in between. I want to welcome right? this is one of the three-part programs to discuss our legislative seminar and leadership meetings for ACB that will be taking place in March. Um, my very special guest this evening is Debbie Grubb, who has been doing advocacy and legislation I think since the cradle, probably. Um, It certainly seems that way sometimes. (laughs) She is fabulous at organizing people, at getting the point across to legislators, at getting everyone together. And, well, you'll all learn what she's done with the Florida Council of the Blind for the last several years. And prior to that, she was pretty darn active here in Maryland. Um, unfortunately, we shortly she left Maryland shortly, right around the time I came to Maryland from Massachusetts. But I think between us, we have too many years to count of experience with Capitol Hill and legislation and legislative seminar. And so I want to welcome Debbie tonight. And I know Anthony is with us as well. And he will be talking a little bit more uh, about the third segment of this three-part series that we've done, uh, namely Sunday edition this Sunday, where he will have our Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs and his assistant and uh, some guests to actually talk about 
the imper- this year's imperatives, and they are people who know more about those topics um, than many of us sitting here tonight probably do, and many of you will probably may even be uh, invited to to speak before this whole uh, legislative seminar is over because. There's a lot of work to be done, an awful lot of work, and that work needs to primarily be done by members like Debbie Grubb and you and you and you. All of us need to work together to make our legislative outreach truly be effective. It's something that we've worked very hard on for many, many years. I'll tell you funny something funny that I just noticed. I was looking... Uh, some old Braille forums from 1986, I think it was, 86 or 89 this week for an upcoming couple of programs that we're going to be having in March here on Visibilities that you won't want to miss either. And I noticed at that time, the legislative imperatives were published in the Braille forum in the February issue which means they had them ready to go by the end of the year before in order to get them done, get them in by January to come out in February. That is a lot of work. We know how much work Clark and Swatha have put into this year's uh, imperatives. But just think back to how much more, you know, those of you who have been around for years, Remember the entire booklets that would come out on each and every imperative. Um, through streamlining this year, I was just looking at the imperatives. At this point, the at least the initial information out is about two paragraphs on each. My point is that they've done some streamlining so that right now, if you haven't looked at them yet, after tonight's program, you might want to go on to the ACB website, check ACB con- conversation or leadership. The link to them is on there. Um, I may actually, it's a short document. I may just cut and paste it and put it out on leadership and conversation later this evening. Um, it's a very short document, but you'll learn a lot from it. You'll learn an awful lot from it. And with that, I am going to be quiet for a minute and introduce Debbie and Go for it, Ms. Grubb. Thank you, Terry. I I just want to thank publicly Paul, Terry, and Anthony. Um, FCB did a training session last year, and it was very well received. And I had this idea of doing three sessions, and I went to my friend Anthony, and I said, would you you ask Paul and Terry, and would you uh, dedicate a Sunday edition and this is what has happened. And I am so grateful to these very special friends of mine. And I would add to keep checking your community calls because there will be several calls before we actually go to the meeting talking about the various aspects or components of the leadership meetings and, of course, the legislative seminar. I also want to say that I was very flattered by what was said about me today in the community call list, but I thought, I don't know this person. Who is she? 
I, I want to just say that what I'm going to talk to you about is a process that has worked for me. It is not, as I said to Terry yesterday, the holy grail of making appointments. I, I say this with all humility, but I want you to know that it is a process that has worked pretty well for me over the years. And for, I started doing it in Maryland. And um, so, you know, it's been a long time. As Terry's right, more years than we want to confess. But I do want to tell you that you are free to use any or all of it or none of it. But this, here we go. I'm going to go through the process and talk to you about everything. Terry will be speaking up. And then, of course, we want to spend a goodly amount of time hearing from you and also addressing your questions. When I begin to plan the setting up of my appointments, the first thing I do is go to house.gov and senate.gov. And when you go out there, there, are, there is a way that you can find your own member via your zip code. But I go down and look for the entire list. I download that and have it in my note taker. So that I, and in that list that comes from house.gov or senate.gov, you get your, um, your, your member's name, their, their political affiliation, the district that they represent, a phone number, and a Washington, D.C. address. Now, it's not an address like 2583 9th Street. It's just like a suite number and say Cannon House Office Building, C-H-O-B. So you get that information. The first thing I do is I make sure that I know what districts they're from. And if you, if you go out on your own home list, your own state list, whatever it might be, um, you can find a list of the congressional districts so that you know the part of your state that this member represents. And that can be very helpful. I will say that because we are all dealing with monetary and the fiscal note of visits to Capitol Hill, when the visits are real, it is not always possible to have someone from every district. And I explain that very well in a letter that I'm going to talk to you about in just a moment. But with these virtual calls, it is very nice to think that we can have more people talking to members and LAs that are actually in their districts. So that's the first thing I do. So I get the list. The next thing I do is I start calling the DC offices. And usually now, with COVID, things are a bit different, and I'm going to talk to you about that in just a moment. But the process that I use is I call each Washington office. I tell them who I am, that I'm a member of the Florida Council of the Blind, or you'd say whatever uh, council or you know state affiliate you're a member of, and that we will be coming to the Hill. This time, I will say we will be hosting virtual meetings with legislative assistance, and I give the dates, and I say... I would like it very much if you would tell me which legislative assistant I might contact and give me their contact information. I would appreciate that very much because what I'm going to tell you is, first of all, most of the time their voicemails are full. There was a time in the world 
when you could call an office and they go, yes, well, that that legislative assistant is Mr. Ray Campbell. And I'm going to put you right through to him right now. And Ray would answer the phone and you would make the appointment. He's sure, I'd be glad to see you. That was back in the day. That does not happen anymore. So one of two things happens when you talk to the person that answers the phone. They either assign you to the appointment scheduler, which adds another little thing, a little another little step to your process. And they ask you to contact the, spe- the legislative um, scheduler, appointment scheduler, and they will get you in touch with a legislative assistant. Now, I get all that done, and as I'm and as I'm sitting there on the phone, I'm writing down the name, the email address, whether it is the, the LA, the legislative assistant, or whether it is the, the appointment scheduler. So I get all of that done, and that takes a while because you call every office. Before I leave calling the offices, sometimes if you cannot get someone at the Washington, D.C. office, I go to, again, my state list, my state email, state website, and you can get home offices for all of your members in Congress. I like to start out with the Washington offices because they're the people you're going to be seeing. They're the people you're going to be dealing with. But I have found if you call a home office and say, I'm, I've really been trying to reach out. I can't see, I can't see Senator so-and-so or Representative so-and-so's. I can't get a legislative assistant. And they say, tell me what you want. And they will make sure that you get somebody to call or that will call you. So that's the first step, the second step of calling. Oh, I'm so sorry. Now, the can next I, Can I thing- jump in here for a quick second? Sure. Is that as important an, an order to do them in, um, especially in this day of virtual meetings? You know, well, because I, I, the person yeah. because the person you may need to the person you may want to talk to um, very well may be actually in Oklahoma City or something. Um, I have found I have found that most of the LAs live in the D.C. area. But again, this is just a process. You all can take it in whatever order you want. If I've got all the numbers right by my phone, I can call. If I don't get anybody, I immediately make a note to to look up the home number. So on my process, I always do the D.C. first. But then if I don't get anybody, after I've gone through those 29 calls that I have to make from the 202, then I get the home office and I do that. So what I know is that most of the people that work in the offices, some of them are from our home states, the districts, the whole thing, but most of them live in DC. So that's what I do. So I use really do 202 first. If I don't get what I need, then my second plan is to call the home offices. But there is no law. The, the world is not going to strike you in the head with a thunderbolt if you decide to call the home offices first. Absolutely. Now, once I've made the calls and I have the information that I want in terms of contacting people, I prepare 
a letter. And it's in the form of a memo. And I have all of the information at the top, who it's from, you know, that kind of thing. And then in this memo, I explain that we are from the Florida Council of the Blind, who we are, what we are, that our parent organization is the American Council of Blind, ACB, who they are, what they are. And I say then that we would we will be on the Hill or we will be having virtual meeting, Zoom meetings in this instance um, on such and such dates. And I would very much like to schedule an appointment. And I either say with you, if I'm writing to the legislative assistant, or if I'm writing to the appointment scheduler, I say with whomever you feel you would like to delegate this meeting to. And I would say then, this year, we are bringing to you four legislative imperatives. And I put just a little blurb about each one. Now, sometimes on the calls, when you're actually talking to people, the, the person that you talk to will want to know what you're, what, you're, what you're talking about. But sometimes they don't. But I always put that in the letter. And I, I, I thank them very much for considering uh, giving us an appointment. And I give you know, contact information as to how they can reach me by way of email. And I write this letter each year, and it's like a template, but I change little parts of it. Like if, if I'm talking to a female LA or a male LA or another gender, and they have, because what you will find when you get messages from these LAs, now they do have their, their proven uh, gender pronouns and nouns. And if I've misspoken on that, I apologize, but that's, I meant no offense, but that's what they have. So I try very hard to ensure that I make the letter as personal as I can while the meat of the letter is what I have posted. So when I, when I get the people that I'm supposed to meet with, whether it's the appointments person or the legislative assistant, I email a letter. I email them each this letter because I can tell you their voicemails are usually full. They don't return calls and especially now that they're home. And the other advantage of doing email is that wherever they are, they're going to be looking at their work email. So that's the second thing I do. Then I see who I hear back from. If I get, if I get appointments back from the appointment scheduler, many times they will say, Mrs. Grubb, I have copied Ray Campbell on this and he will be getting in touch with you. But usually what I do is I write to that person and I say, I am so happy that, you know, we have been, um, we are going to be meeting together and I send, I resend the letter that I sent. I, I change a little bit at the top of it. So it's personal to him or her, but I, I then send the letter again. If I don't hear from either the legislative assistant or the appointment scheduler in two days, I'm at it again. And I write, I know how busy you must be, but these appointments are so important to us. And we would very much like to sit with you and speak about our legislative imperatives for 2022 uh, or Zoom with you or, you know, whatever the, whatever the situation is. And I, and I say, for your convenience, I am pasting below the letter that I sent you. 
And usually by that time, you're getting an email. And so the next step is when you get the email, as I said, from the appointment scheduler, you thank her and you immediately begin to contact the people that you're getting appointments with. And what I'm going to say about this is that it's a game. You can't do it too soon. You can't start this process too soon because I'll go, oh, well, I don't have to meet with her for, you know, till March. This It's only February. And they kind of forget about you. So when I say immediately, I mean, once you start the ball rolling on this process. And so you, you provide, you send emails back and forth. And many times, and what's wonderful about the Zoom, which we were going to be doing this year, is you don't have to do your appointments in one day. So, you know, you can tell them, you know, and so you begin to, when they say, I could meet with you at three on um, March 17. And you, you begin to create a template with all of your appointments the buildings and all of that. Now, back in the time when we were actually walking up there, I arranged everything by building because it's quite a bit of difference between the buildings, as some of you know, and all of that kind of stuff. With this Zoom, it doesn't matter what building they're in because they're going to be probably at home anyway. But you begin a template of who it is you're seeing, their name, all of that stuff, and you put in when you will see them. And I, I say, especially with Zoom, when, when um, we were actually going, I would make each appointment last a half an hour. Now, they didn't. But what I'm saying is I didn't schedule appointments too tightly because we would need to get there. The same thing is true with the Zoom. If you're having a really wonderful conversation with somebody and you're supposed to meet with somebody, you know, so make sure you leave ample time between appointments, but they usually will write to you and they usually will give you a time or two. Now, so you, you begin your template and in, in, a, in a large state like Florida, we've always had legislative teams, groups, whether we are doing it virtually or whether we're going. So as I get the appointment template filled out, then I begin to send to people their own appointment schedule, who they're going to be seeing. So you're doing this kind of as the chair for your delegation in general. Yes. And what I'm going to say is I do it, but there is nothing wrong with delegating saying, okay, you're going to be seeing four people you make the appointments. What I'm going to say is whether you're making the appointments for four or your entire delegation, the process of, you know, getting the information, making the contact, writing a respectable looking memo, all of that stuff still works. So I just happen to do it. And, and, you know, everywhere I've ever been, they just want me to do it. But, um, but there's nothing wrong. But what I would say is, when you delegate, share some of this process with the people because they will find it will work better. Um, what I'm also going to say is that this, it doesn't take rocket science to do this. It can be extremely tedious. But 
If you really want to see people, you got to keep at it. You've got to keep reaching out. You've got to keep sending. You can't say, well, I wrote this wonderful letter and I mailed it to them, emailed it to them, and they never got back with me. Yeah, that happens. So you've got to be the one to keep throwing the ball and, and reaching out and in a, in a polite way, but also in a way that lets them know that this is very important to you. And when you have your template letter, thank God for word processors, et cetera, you can tailor make it to whomever you're talking with. So this process will work whether you are making the appointments for your whole delegation or whether you are delegating them to people. It looks like to me, if you're the chair of your committee, you do want to keep a track of what your people are doing and how they're doing in their process of getting appointments. So that's great. That- and let me ask you, um, I'm thinking a state such as Florida, um, but virtually almost in most states anyhow, to do a break, to break it up into smaller, smaller, you know, into your, your subcommittee, if you will, your committee calling to make appointments. I would think that it would also be in my experience, it would also be very important to do that geographically. If you've got somebody, let's just say in Florida, you've got someone uh, making appointments in South Florida. Uh, they should be making appointments with the with their with the congressional delegation in that geographic area, as opposed to having somebody from uh, Jacksonville making them for a representative from Key West. Uh, I think it's very important. If you have the opportunity, the closer you can get that person, that legislator or that aide to that person, they can, they will relate more to a person from their constituency. I think you're absolutely right. What I'm going to say is, especially when we were traveling to Capitol Hill and the the financial burden that is on people to help cover their expenses. So I have a little paragraph in my letter, which I was going to talk about in a moment, that we are a grassroots organization and that people who come to Capitol Hill, now I won't say this this time because it's virtual, but what I'm telling you is that sometimes I always say we try to make sure that there are people seeing you in your district among your constituents, but it is not always possible. So I say that, and I will say things like we have like one, I won't say who she was, but one representative wanted to give me a hard time, her, her um, scheduler. She said, well, if you can't send us somebody from your district, our district, we don't want to see them. And I wrote back and I said, well, with all due respect, and I just said what I said to you about the, the financial burden. And I said, we do have people from all over the state and the people that we will send to you are very prepared to bring to you these legislative imperatives, which certainly affect the lives of people who are blind and visually impaired in your district. And I really would hate to report back to members who live in your district that you wouldn't see us. And it was amazing. (laughs) It was amazing how quickly she, it, it all changed. So again, it's whatever you can do. If you're in a small state and you've got a few people, you can probably get people in the various districts. What I'd say is it's nice to do it when you can, but if you can't, then give that explanation. 
because it's better to have them see somebody than nobody at all. So, but Terry is absolutely right about it's important to them to see their constituents. But when you put, when you explain to them, then they really seem to get it. So I send out the letters. I start getting the appointments. But then the final thing I'm going to say before questions about this, because we're talking now about the process of making the appointments. So the, the advantage of the letter is that they're not totally blindsided uh, by your imperatives. And they usually, sometimes they'll send two legislative assistants to meet with us so that they can hear um, about the various stuff. The other thing I'm going to say is I always try to make sure that I know what committees these, these members, these, these members of Congress serve on because if you've got a bill or um, a hoped-for bill, in other words, an imperative, whatever it looks like, that affects their committee, then you really want to make sure that you say, and we really want um, Senator so-and-so on such-and-such a committee. So I always try to give um, the people that are keeping these appointments that information. And the other thing that we try to do is we say, we, we try to spend more time on imperatives that these people can do something about. But if it is something that is important, we say, we realize that you do not directly have anything to do with whatever it is we're talking about. But if you could be a co-sponsor or if you've got friends on the appropriate committee, if you could just put a bug in their ear about this. And the final thing I'm, I'm going to say is when we go, and we've already talked about the storytelling, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. But when we, when we go, sometimes we have other things that we want to bring to them. Like one year, we wanted to talk about accessible voting in the polling place. And so what we did was we set, we obviously talked about all the legislative imperatives, but I added that we from the Florida Council of the Blind wanted to speak about this. And what we did was um, I asked our voting guru here in Florida to write a letter that we could put right in the folder with the legislative imperatives when we went to the Hill, when we gave out these folders back in the day. And I also put some bullet points about it in that memo that I was speaking with you about. So <laughs> once you start getting your appointment made and you think, oh God, this is so good, then you begin to get texts and messages. Mrs. Grubb, I am so sorry, but I have to be this me. And then you have to start rescheduling. And back in the day when we were actually on, when we were actually in training, I had an earbud in one ear and I was writing, I was writing messages back to reschedule appointments on my Braille sense and listening to the speakers who were speaking. So sometimes you think you've got your little puzzle all together and everything is wonderful. And then, you know, there are the changes. So I guess in summary, it's the calling, whether you call the home office first or the 202, the creating of the template letter. 
And I will tell you, if you, somebody in your group is really good at that letter, there is nothing wrong with your sharing that if you're going to delegate people to make appointments, there's no reason why they couldn't send the same memo, but doctor it up. You know, mention the person by name or the member by name. We would very much like for you to, we'd like to speak with you about our legislative imperatives so that you can um, bring them to the attention of member so-and-so, representative so-and-so. So again, this, this process is very adaptable. Um, what I'm going to try to do when we set up our appointments is have them over the final three days of the week of, you know, the Monday and Tuesday that we're with ACB on these programs. But if we have to, we can go over into the next week. It is not nearly as difficult to get appointments when you've got this kind of a, of a timeline. So um, I think I'm going to shut up now. And um, if you have any questions about this or anything, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about how to do the visits because you can listen to the podcast of Tuesday Topics and there will be several community calls on this subject, but it's so important to get the appointment and it's so important to make a good impression. And it is very important that whether you are actually on Capitol Hill or you are doing it by Zoom, that you are on time. And when I have all my appointments set, the day before, I write to everyone. And I say, we are so looking forward to meeting you at blah, 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 or speaking to you by way of Zoom. And I resend the Zoom link because when I make my appointment confirmations. Like I'll say, well, we are happy to meet with you on March 17 by, by way of Zoom at 3.30 p.m. And for your convenience, here is the Zoom link. But you can't stuff, you cannot, you can't send stuff too many times. So when I do my little reminder thing, I, um, I would, I, last year I resent the Zoom link. And when I was doing it on Capitol Hill, I would say, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes, you know, the time and the place and all that, sometimes they want to know who they will be meeting with. If they ask me, I will tell them. So basically, that is the process of preparing for and making and confirming appointments. Well, I thank you very much. I think one of the things that could uh, be helpful to stream to help streamline it just a bit um, for people is one of the things that you can absolute that you could absolutely do. You've obviously gotten you their email address by then. Go in and make an Outlook scheduler, a, a schedule an Outlook appointment uh, meeting, and email it to them right away, and it's on their calendar. And, absolutely, and and they live by their calendars, and that would also have the links in it as well so that even if they don't get to the email that they've gotten in the last two hours, that's going to pop up as a reminder right on their calendar. They're going to get a notification that they've got a meeting in 15 minutes and here's the zoom link for it. Um, and that's right. something that's really going to be very helpful. Um, especially since this is virtual, I think that's, uh, something that we can absolutely take every advantage of to use the scheduling, uh, to schedule on calendars. 
Um, I think that can save you a lot of uh, probably some a good bit of time and a lot and effort and and it, I think it's more convenient for them because that's the way they live, that's the way they work, that's the way they live um, by their calendars. Um, the next thing I would like to see us get a little bit into, and Debbie and I have talked about this uh, earlier this week, and that's making. You've, you've okay. So now you've made your appointment. Now you've got a, you've got your first. Imp- they're getting their first impression of you. One of the things that a lot of us may not realize, and this is particularly a Zoom issue. I'm thinking that I may do a community call on this if people want to work on it a little more dil- a little more closely. Um, over the next, in, within the next couple of weeks. And that is, does, how many people here realize, and this isn't really a, you don't need to raise your hand to let us know, but do you realize that when you're making a, when you're on a Zoom call and you do not have your video turned on, what comes up on the screen that that legislative assistant is seeing? It is not a face of you. It is quite likely not your name. Your name is down in a little corner as long as they don't move their, uh, as long as they keep their mouse moving or their finger on their their screen of their eye device. But overall, what is sitting in front of them is about, it's just a small uh, image of a white, it's it's like two pieces, and what it is is it's a white silhouette. It has no facial recognition. It has no recognition of who you are. Um, it, so they're not, they are so used to eye contact or at least seeing the other person. It may not be necessarily with eye contact in this day and age because everyone's so used to Teams and Zoom that they might be kind of looking down because they're really doing something else on their computer at the same time. But they are at least seeing another person, not just a silhouette that is coming up for every single person that doesn't realize that that, that they don't have a photo of themselves either in their profile, on their Zoom account, or have their video on where they're actually where they can actually see you through your camera. That's something that I think is very important for first impressions is to know for them to know who they are talking to that there really is a person on the other side of that little white uh, yeah. silhouette that there is an absolute person there. And so it's a little bit tricky but it's not that difficult to do we don't have time today tonight unfortunately to do it but it's something to absolutely be aware of and i will put together a call within the next two weeks at least one call for anyone that might be interested in working on putting your profile picture at least a profile picture if not your camera getting your camera set up to work um and it's something that I think we'd need in general. As a matter of fact, I think you're going to see a session on it at the convention this summer. Um, 
we've gotten there's a lot there are a lot of possible ways of making your camera work well for you whether you can see what's coming up what's what's coming out of that camera or not and it's kind of become one of my uh my, my banners to carry high these days uh but I think that's very, very important in that first impression. That first impression needs to be who you are, why you're there, and how pleasant you can be. And not, I think the other thing that's incredibly important is not to tell them, I had so much trouble getting in for some reason. My, I, I couldn't get, mm-hmm. you've got to have practiced ahead of time so that your Zoom call works just as smoothly as theirs does and it will look at all the people on on community today we're all we've all gotten very very well acquainted with it and look at all of the hosts that we have that are even better at it and with that um anthony did you want to add something perhaps um yeah so i i I loved debbie's process um you know being here in florida now this is this will be my third year as part of the legislative team um you know we're a big state so we divided into teams and you know i strongly suggest that someone at least elect a team leader um you know meet early on in the process so if we're starting on wednesday meet early wednesday morning make sure everybody's zoom is working and so on and so forth but i strongly strongly suggest that the team leader be on video have your video you know have someone help you check it out or you can use ira or be my eyes um if you're using it from your phone there is a mode for zoom where you can where you can mirror what the person on the other end of the zoom is seeing so that you can adjust your laptop or computer webcam whatever it be but i I strongly suggest that at least one of your team your team leader be on video so that you know they're getting the interactive um feel for and it's it's harder for them to to look away you know, even though we're blind and, and they may be thinking, oh, they can't see us anyway, I'm, I'm going to, you know, check my calendar and, and order lunch, et cetera, et cetera. But it's a lot harder when they're engaging in eye contact with someone, you know, directly. And it comes across as tiles. If there's four people on a team, you know, the person that's speaking is a bigger tile, but the other tiles are showing. And that's why if there's tiles with a silhouette, it doesn't, it doesn't you know, it doesn't jog them to look at anything. So Terry is ex- is exactly right. We should all have profile pictures up, um, and they should. You know, you, <laughs> I don't think I have to say this, but you know, they definitely don't want to be in the bikini or the speedo. Um, you know, they don't want to. <laughs> they don't want to be. <laughs> you know, you with you know with a whipped cream beard and mustache. You know, they want to be semi business casual, kind of professional looking. And for the person or persons who are going to be on a video camera, please. Please don't be sitting, you know, in um, a, a wife beater or, um, you know, a big oversized T-shirt. You want to be business casual. You want to have something that that makes you look like you've dressed to meet this legislative assistant. You want to give it the respect that it deserves. Even if they're at home in their pajamas, it just shows that, you know, you've taken the time. You're, you're putting the energy in to give the meaning the respect that it deserves. I just want to say, too, that what I learned was that many of the L.A.s and everything that Terry and Anthony says is spot on. This is no way to disagree. It's just to give you some information. 
Most of the LAs that we met with on Zoom last year had up a profile picture. They did not have their video on. So what I'm going to say is, if you feel comfortable getting help and turning that video on, go for it. If it's going to stress you and make you nervous, get some assistance and put up a nice profile picture, then you don't have to turn your video on. So if you're, you know, everybody's good at different things. Um, Terry was saying that recently she was on a Zoom call with somebody and the person was doing their very best, but what showed was basically the top of their head and their nostrils or something. And so- And the nostrils down. The nostrils down, is that what it was? (laughs) Anyway, so what I would say is, if you think you can do it and have the video on and you feel comfortable with it, go for it. If you've got somebody that can kind of help you set it up. But I think Terry and Anthony are absolutely right at the very least. And I'm going to get one because I don't have one either, I've got to say. So I'm going to get a profile picture and put it up in my Zoom. So let's say if you brave and want to do the video, it's really great. At the very least, let's have when people see us on Zoom, especially the LAs, at least a profile picture. Because I can assure you, you if we yeah. could see them, we'd be seeing a lot of their profile pictures. Yeah. Last year in one of our meetings, somebody had a picture of themselves and their guide dog in front of a Christmas tree. Um, and the LA remarks, oh my God, what a beautiful picture. What a beautiful dog. That, you know, subsequently, <laughs> that conversation we had lasted almost 45 minutes. Um, you know, of the five conversations I had or my team had last, last year, we only had one disinterested LA and, you know, that was the only call that was less than third, that was less than 20 minutes. Um, all of our calls went over 20 minutes last year and, and they were very engaged. You can't count on that this year because more people, there's going to be more work to be done. So what I always say to everybody is plan to be able to get your imperatives in, in the 10 or 15 minutes. But if you get the impression that they're really interested, you can move it along again. But one of the things that Thomas Reed said that really, I think it was him anyway, really made an impression on me is they seem friendly. They're, maybe they're not really in favor of, they don't want to bother their boss. So they act all friendly. They want to know about you. Where did you get your dog or, or, um, have you been blind all your life and suddenly your time is gone? So yep. try to have that really deep connection of being warm, friendly, charming, being people that they want to hear, that they want to listen to, that they want to, they want to take that little document that Net this year will send by email. And that's another thing that is our responsibility to do. Once we get the little papers, the little pages that we usually put in those folders and take to the Hill, we will email those to our um, legislative assistant that we'll be meeting with. But be diligent that you don't waste time, but that you you give time if it's, if, if it's available. But you want to make sure that you get your points across. And for those, you know, we met um, 10 minutes before as a team, we met 10 10 minutes before every meeting and we went over what committees the member, uh, the member serves on, et cetera, et cetera, because you don't want to make a faux pas and have the LA say, no, they're not on, on such and such a committee. This, um, maybe you were thinking of the other imperative and it's like, oh, oh yeah, you don't want to 
scramble and have to regroup. So uh, we found it really, really helpful to go over right before each meeting as well the the legislative assistance, you know, that we were talking to, what the member was for and which imperatives of last year, I think it was three, um, which of the three or, or two of the three, et cetera, that really would speak to that member. And, um, you know, and that, and that really also, when you come prepared, they know you're prepared, they're more, they're more engaged. And I just want to say one thing about the meeting itself, um, because it's so important. You've done all this work to get the appointments, right? If you, you need to have a note taker. Now the note taker can talk, but you need to have somebody like, like say the exercise uh, for all imperative. If the LA seems really interested, if they ask questions, what did they ask? What do they want to know? They need yep. to see that you are taking notes and you need to return those report back forms because the meeting never happened without a record. So we need to follow up. And that is something that I'm sure they will talk about in more detail on Anthony's show. But we need to do those report back forms. We need to follow up. We need to give ACB what they need to follow up. Terry, do you think we should take a few questions in the last few minutes? Yes, I do want to do that. Um, one other thing, back on what we were talking about before about the pictures and and that if you decide that you want to do video, one of the things you might want to do, and especially if you've got a team leader, is come up with a safe, what I, I call it a safe word. Uh, you know, just something that fits in but doesn't really quite. And what it is is it's, you know, that... Um, I might say, um, Debbie, did you, you know, uh, I don't know, just use some kind of a word in there. Um, Debbie, are you, you taking notes right now? Off? Yeah, I just, it's something yeah. to give you the hint that you need to shut your video off because you're really, uh, it's upside down or something like that. Yeah. It's just something else to think about, something along those lines. Yes, I would very much like to take some uh, questions. Um Katie, if you want to remind people how to do it, I know Ray Campbell has his hand raised already. Actually, a few people do. But if you could just remind folks how to do it. First of all, please make sure that you got the got it button. Otherwise, you won't be able to talk if you're on a computer or on your smartphone. To raise your hand, it's going to be Alt-Y on the computer. On the Mac, it's going to be Option-Y. On the app, it's going to be in the lower right-hand corner and select Raise Hand. And on your landline phone, it's going to be star nine. Unmute on the computer with alt A. On the Mac, it's command shift A. On the app, it's in the lower left-hand corner. And on your landline phone, it's star six. Thanks very right, can much. Can I say one more Ray, thing before I, we... Oh, okay. No, I just want to stress, it's very important also... They, they do ask questions. And if they ask a question that you don't know or no one on the team knows, please tell them you'll find the information. You'll follow up with an email to, to the LA themselves or you'll reach out and get the information. Don't flub. Don't yeah. try to, to bluff your way out of the question. It is very okay to say, you know what? I don't have that information currently, but I will get it back to you. Mm -hmm. Very good point. Hey. Okay, Ray, we have five mm -hmm. questions. 
Okay. Well, seven I will, minutes. So I will make be it a brief. <laughs> I will be brief. Okay. I'm not usually brief, but I will be. <clears throat> Two quick things. One is was and Debbie kind of mentioned this earlier, and that is make sure that the LA has a contact somebody they can contact on the day of the appointment. So if something does come up that they can't meet with you, or if there's a problem for them getting in on the Zoom, or when we went to the Hill, if uh, you know that they could uh, that they can reach out to you um, and you know somebody you know, have a cell phone number and make sure that they have that <clears throat> information. And the second thing, as long as we're talking a little about the meetings themselves, it's very very important after the meeting that you follow up and say thank you. Yes, very good point. Very very true, Ray. And one of the things I did forget to say when you prepare your little email with the legislative imperatives and all that stuff, you want to send them a contact sheet with all of your teams so that they, with an, with an email, a name, a phone number, and an email so that yep. they can get in touch with people. And now I'm going to really shut up, but that was very good, Ray. And now we'll hear from the other half of the Campbell household. <laughs> yeah. Karen, if you can unmute. Okay. There you are. There you are. Okay. Quick question. Um, Ray and I are going to be moving very shortly. So we will be coming from one congressional district to another. Should we get meetings with both our current representative and who is going to be representing us in the future, or how should we handle that? Well, I think if you've got a relationship, and relationship is so important, and you can say, we, we want to share this with you. We are going to be leaving the district, but we will be in touch with you. And if you've got people that will be remaining in that district, but I, I think knowing you and, and Ray, Karen, I'm sure you've got good relationships with those people, and you should definitely not let those go. Okay, thank you. Absolutely. Try to mentor people with you um, to, to leave them in place so that those relationships will foster. Okay, thank you. Zelda, good evening. Yeah, good evening. Um, I just wanted to mention that, that doing the, um, the visits by Zoom last year, we found that it's very different uh, when you're in... In this situation in person, it's easy to, um, you know, I talk, you talk, he talks, you know, that type of thing. But it's easy to, you know, not have that smooth transition between presenters. Um, and and so you might want to think of um, saying something like, now, Alan, um, you wanted to explain about such and such or something that lets them know now it's your turn so that... Um, um, you know, we're not both starting to answer a question that has been asked or something like that. Very good point. We always had, we always have a group moderator and they're not, you know, and they, we already know the experts. So we have, so we have somebody that moves it along that says to somebody, so-and-so you, I believe you wanted to say something about, so you're absolutely right, Zelda, having somebody to keep the conversation flowing, to make sure everybody gets called on, everybody gets heard, but you don't have a bunch of people 
um, yelling at all at once because on Zoom, mm-hmm. it's hard to avoid that. But that was a very good point. Mm-hmm. You need yeah. a traffic cop. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah. And Jane, if you can, there you are. Jane, you got about 15 seconds, I think. Okay, I'll be really quick. <clears throat> um, Ray and Zelda kind of touched what I, what I wanted to say. But it's very important of the pieces of the puzzle is thank you for all of this. And I, this is the third call I've been on this week about legislative um, issues in the upcoming conference, is that, yes, everybody should have a, have a turn to speak. And maybe go around the room and say, you know, the, if there's five people there on the Zoom call, you know, A, do you want to, do you want, what do you want to, is there anything you want to say? Or B, is that's what I usually do in my meetings, <clears throat> even when I've been and in other meetings for other issues. And the other thing, which I think is very important of the piece of the parcel, is when you leave and go back home, is to write a thank you note, let them know who you were, why you were there, yep. and follow up, follow up, follow up. Keep, keep, keep on them. And very good point. Very good, Jane. And hopefully they'll make a commitment to sign on to your bill or your issue. Terry, thank you, thank you for thank you for inviting us and for dedicating yeah, this thank you, Terry. To, we we you appreciate are more it than more than welcome. Than we I just say. I know we're running close on time. Didn't know if either one of you had like one minute that you wanted to add in anything that we've forgotten so far. I guess what I want to say is just put your heart in it. It can be very frustrating at times. Don't give up and don't take it personally. So-and-so doesn't get back to you. Don't take it personally. Go take, take passion and be, be professional, but be warm and kind. I Very concur. good point. And Anthony, and anything from... I concur with everything Debbie said. And please visit Sunday edition at 1 p.m. this Sunday so we can really unpack these imperatives. Like Terry said, we've got a page worth of information. But by the time Sunday edition is gone, we can take, you know, a notebook worth of notes. My gosh, he's got a wonderful lineup. Be sure to come. He does. He does. He's got a great group. Um, I'm not even going to try to remember, but I know it was no. Leslie <laughs> and somebody. I'm trying to remember who it was with Leslie. Leslie and Connie. Um, Connie Christelle, Sims. Chris Connie Gray. Sims. Yeah, we, we've got a whole host. Thomas Tobin. We've got a whole host of, of experts that are really going to unpack it. Terry, thank you so much for doing this. Thank Paul, you both listening. so thank much. You for I yeah. want to thank, thank you, Terry. You're thank the best. You. Thank, thank you, you both. You are both outstanding people. So um, are you. <laughs> I just want to let you all know that, uh, what did I want to let you all know? My head's gone too big at this point. Next I, wanted to, I wanted to thank uh, Katie Lear for hosting for us tonight, even if I didn't let her do everything that the way that I had said that I would. Um, and I apologize for that. Larry Gassman, of course, uh, streams for us. And I don't know what I'd do without Larry and his famous words every week on the show um, at the end of it, which marks the end of my week. And I can actually breathe for a night. Um, and I want to welcome, invite you all next week. I'm uh, Judy Dixon is going to be my guest next week. And we're going to be talking about um, the 282, at least, Braille slates that she has and a lot to do with Braille. And I just thought that it was a good tribute on a weekend that includes tributes to former to all of our presidents. It's President's Day weekend. And then in March, I want you to 
be very attentive. We are going to have a lot of good programming, including some other tributes to the women of ACB, past and present. I want to thank you all. Have a great weekend. Good night.